It's Friday night, and the moon is bright. Gonna have some fun, so you eyes down, TGIF. All right, welcome to week 110 of the Two Guys in the Fridays podcast. My name is Steven. That over there is Travis. So, Steve, you're going back to New York here, correct? I, um, well... Are you back already in New York? I don't know how time works. If we're back to the futuring it, um, I have already been back there and back since this uh, episode comes out or when it comes out. Did you go to did you go to Maggie's apartment in Baby Talk? That's what I should do, shouldn't I? Uh There was something else. Oh, no, never mind. I can't do that. That's in Chicago. I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know any other ones that took place in New York. I mean, except for maybe some of the like one one off pilot ones i'm going to maggie's like season two apartment both both you gotta find them there's no info on this at all i'm guessing though online oh of course not no we have to you'd have to go back and watch the episodes we find context clues we couldn't even ask like the actors like where it was like we couldn't call dr ellie back up and i could maybe maybe his doctor's office i bet he knows where that is no I yeah, bet you. Yeah, I, I mean, he he's does. from New York. He does. He's from New York. He so maybe there's a chance he's like, oh, he goes there the... once a week and like, oh man, the memories. No, he does. He's got he's got yeah, way he better things. To this do. is where I checked on Mickey's little foot. No, no. All right. Uh-uh. Hey, uh, welcome to the show. We go back. We watch all of the uh, shows that aired on TGIF 30 years after they air, and these are episodes that would have aired back in 1991. You know the exact uh, date, Travis? It would have been October 25th, 1991. Okay, uh, before we get into the episodes, uh, a few things. Thanks to Duke for the theme song this week. So yeah, Duke, thank you. We've done that one before. It's an old one. Uh, some new ones. People have been uh, sending me some emails. They've got some stuff coming, so uh, maybe got next some week stuff in the works. we'll have a new one. Um, what else going on? Uh, follow us on all social media at TGIFCast. Go to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to that, Two Guys in the Fridays. And uh, if you have anything that you want to email us, you can do that, Two guys or no, TGIFCast at gmail.com. That's the email address. That's where to find us. So before we get into the episodes, I already said that, but uh, before we get into that and before we get into that, uh, we're going to see what was going on in the world 30 years ago. Yeah, I'm confusing myself here. Get into Uh, that. Yeah. Uh, So the big Oakland fires, I don't know if you know about this, but um, there was, uh, it's referred to sometimes as the Oakland Hills firestorm or the tunnel fire. This was back, uh, started October 19th, 1991, wasn't put out till the 23rd. But uh, the big deal was uh, 25 people dead, 150 people injured, uh, 1,520 acres destroyed, over 2,800 single-family homes destroyed, 437 apartment units destroyed, and uh, over, at the time, $1.5 billion in damage in these fires. So these were like forest fires, or were these like part of a like a riot so, or something? Or? Yeah, so the origins of the fire, they're saying that... Um, uh, yeah, uh, reignited brush fire is what it says. So, yeah. Okay. So, compared to to store, to forest fires nowadays, is that still pretty big or is that... Yeah, I think it's pretty like, huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. And being over in Oakland, too, I think it's... Uh, I don't Tensor. know. Yeah, I don't know what Oakland was like back then, but I'm guessing fairly similar in, the, in yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's our news story for this week. What about movies, music? What was number one? Uh, so music is still Mariah Carey, uh, Emotions. So that, that'll be around for, I think, one more week. But uh, anyways, Mariah Carey, Emotions. 
new movie it was uh, other people's money which was a danny devito penelope ann miller movie where he's like the lead guy which is kind of interesting to think that, that was a you yeah. know, Danny video as, as a lead but i don't know it was all right we watched it last night okay it was all right i, I wouldn't like run out and i feel like i've heard of it. it i don't think i've seen it but yeah i mean i've heard of it it's a movie that's always kind of existed in the peripheral for me but i've never watched it either but watched it last night it was okay yeah fair enough uh, anything else? Birthdays? Anything? No, no, no birthdays. Nothing else. So let's talk. Uh, let's talk TV. TGIF. Yeah. So your eight o'clock slot back on this date thirty years ago was Family Matters season three, episode six. The name of the episode is Citizens Court, and it starts off. We do get a little uh, Urkel intro with uh, Laura and Eddie in the living room, and uh, you hear just like Steve Urkel just screaming from somewhere. Screaming. Sounds like yelling. he's outside. Um, Laura says, or, uh, Laura says that she's going to get the front. So she opens the door. Eddie yells to his dad, uh, Urkel alert. Carl opens the back door and then Steve mm-hmm. Urkel comes flying through the house on some rollerblades, uh, in the front door, out the back door, crashes into some trash cans and, uh, tells Carl, thanks for the door. And Urkel's like, or, uh, Carl's like, no problem or something like that. I'll never understand the physics of this house. <laughs> oh, cause we know that the, we know the front door isn't ground level. We know you have to walk up steps oh. to get to the front door. Oh, man. So Ruining I'm kind of I'm kind of curious as to how he got the momentum. But, you know, whatever. It's Urkel and it's Family Matters. So he probably has a ramp set up, you know. You think so? Yeah. And you get like uphill. You're going to just like get all that momentum to fly. Well, I'm guessing you built like a half pipe in the front yard and then well, like a quarter pipe, I guess. And then it goes okay. over a little fly box into the front door or something like that. Maybe. That's the best explanation we can come up with, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. All right. So, yeah, that intro has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. Now we get into the actual episode. Uh, Laura's in the kitchen. Uh, Steve, Eddie, and Waldo all come in from outside. And uh, Steve has purchased, we find out, a Peruvian stick bug, which he shows to Laura, which she screams about. It's a cool bug, though. I liked it. It's cool, too. Just probably, what, four or five inches long? Obviously, it looks like sticks and leaves. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Waldo and Eddie laugh because Laura gets scared, but then like uh, they get scared from it. And he tells everyone like how much he loves bugs, and uh, he's named it Pablo. And uh, then he, he looks. Away. He mentioned that he goes to the Bug Expo every year too, which I feel like that's something that comes up more than once during the show. Yeah, have you ever been to a Bug Expo? A Bug Expo? Yeah. No. 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 I mean, I, I, I guess I would if Reptile if Expo. Was... You've been to one of those? No. They come I mean, I don't have an, yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to these things. I just don't have any real reason to go to a bug or reptile expo. Maybe you want to buy a stick bug. I don't know. I mean, I've seen stick bugs. If you go to the the Natural History Museum in D.C., they always have like bugs out up in the in the bug room you can touch, like big cockroaches and stick bugs and stuff. That's true. Um, so, yeah, uh, Steve looks away for a minute, uh, away from his stick bug. He turns back, and Pablo the stick bug is gone. Everyone starts freaking out. God. The guys run out of the room. And uh, Steve has no idea in the 0.5 seconds that he looked away what has happened to Pablo. I mean, we knew that was going to happen as soon as we saw that he left the lid off of the bug box. I didn't know it was going to be that quick. Yeah, definitely. All right, so that's going on. We jump over to the living room. Um, Carl's asleep on the couch. He's got, like, a newspaper over top of him. Uh, Estelle comes through, and uh, I think she sees it first, right? Pablo is crawling on the newspaper that's on top of Carl. 
So I, I thought she was going to smack it with her tennis racket that she had in her hand at this point, but no, I too. That, no, no, it doesn't happen. Carl uh, jumps up. The Pablo goes flying and uh, ends up crawling on the floor. Carl, yeah, it's like goes like behind the couch. Um, I think Estelle leaves at this point, and then Carl starts freaking out. He sees Pablo. He grabs the closest thing that he can find to smash a bug with, not his foot, but instead the uh, lamp that's on the table and just drops it on Pablo's head. Probably, you would think, killing him immediately. I think, I thought he like hit him, hit him a couple times with the lamp. Yeah, I think he does. I think he picks it up because then it, the lamp moves across the floor. Like he drops the lamp on him. The lamp starts crawling across the floor. I think he picks it up and drops it on him again. Maybe it doesn't kill him. And then he, and then as Steve Urkel comes out of the kitchen, that's when Earl, then that's when Carl jumps on it himself, eventually killing Pablo. Right, right. The squashing it with his foot. I was thinking, man, like how, how big of a bug, like when does a bug become too big to squish? Like, cause you got to think a, a bug that size makes a big mess. Yeah. I mean, is, is, that what, point, is that why you're asking like the amount of mess that the bug's going to make? And like, I don't know. It just seems like the bigger the bug gets, the less insect it's like and the more like cat creature it's like yeah dog. i mean cat sure whatever mouse probably would be probably a better comparison i mean they have like they, the organs start to become actually defined organs as opposed to like goo yeah i don't um, know enough about bug anatomy but i mean what would you do to get rid of it? if you're trying if you want to kill this bug that's your goal how do you kill it i would i would not Flame like thrower i guess i mean i first of all would not Try to kill this bug. No, no, no. Obviously, no, no, that's not that's not what it that's is. That's not the question. The question if is if I had to kill had it. to kill this. Like that was your. Well, of course, only I'm going to use my foot. I mean, I'm going to use my foot. Okay. Of course, but you you just know it's going to make a mess when you do it. Right. I don't. But I also don't think that Carl. Well, we'll get to this because it comes up. Okay. But I don't think he was in a position to have to kill that bug. So Steve sees all this happen. He immediately starts crying. Um, this is a big deal to Steve. Pablo has become yeah. very close with Steve, and uh, we also find out at this point that. Uh, Pablo also cost $486.52, which is a good amount of money for a bug. Yeah, Yeah. an expensive bug. But to Steve, it's not just a bug. Um, And Steve wants an apology. But instead of an apology, what he gets from Carl is, clean that thing up and get out of here, Steve. That's about all he gets. I thought it was bold of Carl to tell tell Steve to clean up the mess as well. Oh, well, I mean, it's his bug. Shouldn't have got out. Steve let it out. Mm, I see both sides. I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100%, but I thought it was a little bold. All right. So uh, then we go nighttime. Um, Carl is behind the couch. He's spraying for bugs. Like, I don't know. Right. He's He said he has this thing, like, stuck in his head, like the idea of Pablo the stick bug. Uh, and he's just spraying for anything now. And um, I think Harriet tells him to stop or something like that. And uh, Urkel comes over. Yeah, everyone's in pajamas. Yeah, everyone's in pajamas. Urkel is giving Carl one last chance. All he wants is an apology, which uh, Carl once again refuses. And and Steve Urkel tells Carl, "All right, we're going. In, we're going to court, not just court. I'm gonna sue you. We're going to the TV show Citizens Court." <laughs> so, I guess there were. I, I mean, they're still popular now, but all like the TV show court show. Oh yeah. Like this was probably like the like peak of it right then I would guess. I don't know. I would so it's I it's so hard to say what the peak is because the peak I think there's been two peaks. I think you had what this one is going after, which is People's Court, 
you know, which Small a lot claims, of that time like you had your like discrepancies between a couple like people. But I would, I, if you were to ask me, I would say the real peak of these kind of shows was Judge Judy in the late nineties. I mean, I don't think it gets any more like is Judge top Judy of not till late nineties. I, I that's what I feel okay. like. That's what that seems. To I was me thinking my, she's also my, like at this time for some reason. I you know. I'll, I can look it up. But I feel like we've brain, talked about Judge Judy on this show before, and like she's been doing it forever. It seems like like lo- longer than thirty years, though. She's like the most highest paid woman on television. Well, I'm just saying longer than thirty years, and this is thirty years. No, ago. premiered ninety six. Oh, okay. So, so Judge Judy stole her idea from this episode of Family Matters. No, no, no. They were doing no. this kind of thing way beforehand. But like People's Court, you remember People's Court? Yeah, right? yeah. That then that, yeah, Judge Walker. Yeah, that's what this is. But. I think that was a big peak, but then I think when Judge Judy came on, it took it to like, you know, sure. the second. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, so yeah, Steve's taking him to the Citizens Court, um, and that's where we jump now. Uh, Richie is uh, calling for Rachel and Judy. He wants them to come in the living room because the episode is about, I guess, about to go live. Like they, this is not a recorded show. It seems like yeah. they must be at the courthouse now because everyone else is out, and uh, the episode is coming on right now. It's Citizens Court, and uh, I don't know. This was a hard. It was hard to take notes on this because I was like, how much do I really want to put on here? Just a, It's a court case. I mean. Yeah. I think one thing that, we've, that I don't know if we've heard before is that Steve's middle initial is Q. We find that out. Uh, I think we have. Yeah. And then it's, it's a court case. The, basically, the judge asks Urkel what happened. He tells him in like five seconds. He's like, there's a bug. Carl squished it. The end. Uh, and then Carl Carl's response is, I want legal representation and I want to be represented by my daughter, Laura, who's not a judge. She comes not out. She's dressed like a lawyer, though, high right? School. Yeah, she's just very nice. And uh, Urkel knows that this is a strategy to uh, just, uh, I guess, as a... Make him nervous. Yeah, make, make him, him nervous. Make him, not him, be able to say what he wants to say. And uh, Urkel's like, this strategy's not going to work. And uh, Laura calls the first witness to the stand, which is Estelle. And uh, she comes up there and uh, has a bunch of kind words for Steve. Um, says nothing but nice things about him. And it seems like this is not going to be a good witness. So he, uh, they quickly get her off the stand. Yeah. Also says that the bug Pablo wasn't wasn't about to attack Carl, wasn't stalking Carl. It was just minding its own business being a bug. So then uh, Laura calls the next witness up, which is her mom. And uh, I don't remember what Harriet said, but then I wrote here that the uh, judge warned Steve for uh, being out of right. line at this point. So what happens here is Steve tries to get Harriet to paint Carl as this like violent, temperamental That's guy right. who throws stuff around and, you know, is unpredictable. And Harriet's like, no, not really. And, and so he's like a great Steve cop. To- Does, uh, he's won a bunch of awards and all this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So Steve, Steve's like, she's a hostile witness. And that's when the judge is like, calm down, calm down. And then Steve gets to call a witness up and he calls up Waldo to be a witness. He does. And internet research tells me that this is the first time we find out Waldo's last name, which of course is Waldo Faldo. So <laughs> this is the first appearance of Faldo as a as Waldo's name. So Steve asks him a question and Waldo um, just starts like reciting a very planned script, which we find out eventually uh, was given to him by Steve. And he actually admits to Laura once he's up uh, getting questioned by her that Steve just gave it to him and he he just remembered it and read the entire thing. Well, he he also not that he didn't just remember it. He he wrote it on his arm. And oh. so Laura sees him looking on his arm to read it off for the uh, the response. Um, and then Steve calls up his very last witness, which is uh, Eddie Winslow. And Eddie tells a story about uh, 
how when he was a kid, he had a hamster, it got out, and then Steve's able to find out that eventually this hamster died in the dryer, he found it in the lint trap, and Steve suggests there's no way a hamster got in the dryer unless someone gave it a little push. Implying that Carl, that Carl killed Mr. Fluffkins. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where we're at now. All the witnesses are done. It's time for closing statements. Uh, Carl, or I guess uh, Laura says that Carl's going to give his own closing statement. And uh, the entire statement from Carl is, it was just a stupid bug. And that's it. So it's not looking good for Carl. Urkel. Uh, no, why, man? Come on, Carl. You can, <laughs> that's not going to, you know, that's not going to work. So Urkel gets up to give his closing statement. Um, he talks about how Pablo was a friend and Carl was his friend. And now he's down two friends. And all he wanted was for Carl to just say he was sorry and everything would have been okay. So that's it. Those are the closing statements. Um, the judge leaves. He goes off to make his decision. And while he's in the back, uh, Carl talks to Steve and uh, he really doesn't want their friendship to be over. And Carl kind of apologizes here, I guess. Yeah. He says, like, I guess I should apologize. And Steve's like, that's all I ever wanted. Thank you so much. Like, that was enough for Steve. And that's it. The judge comes back in and says, I have my verdict. And they said, we don't care. We're leaving. Yeah. We don't even. They're like, never mind. And uh, we've settled it on our own. So the the family hugs in the courtroom. The family back at home applauds. And that's the end of the episode. What uh, what do you think the judge was going to say? I think he's going to side with Steve. I mean, you think so? Yeah. I, agree. I mean, it's damage that you did to somebody's property, intentional or not. You owe them for it. I agree. I agree. All right. So uh, next up, it's step by step. That's what we're watching now. Season one, that episode is. six, and uh, the name of this episode is "Pulling Together." Um, starts off. We've got uh, most of the kids are in the kitchen with Carol, and she needs to. Uh, she just wants the family to do something as a family. Like the kids really aren't doing things together, and uh, none of the kids want to. None of the Fosters. None of the Lamberts. And uh, all the kids end up leaving on their own, except Brendan, who's left behind. Uh, <laughs> I think still finishing breakfast at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she asks him if he wants to do something. He's like, I can't because my friend's turtle just got ran over by a car. And I really want to see it before he throws it in the trash can. And uh, he goes off and uh, Carl or Carol quickly Carol. runs after him and says, oh, I want to go watch too. And that's kind of like your little intro right there. So I don't know if this was intended to be ironic, but the the irony here is that before she came down and said that she wanted them all to do something together, they were all in the kitchen oh. eating breakfast together. Yeah, I but, didn't even think about that. I don't know. Um, and kind of the theme from this intro is going to be throughout the episode because uh, we get back after the yes. theme and uh, we've got Dana and Cody in the kitchen. Do we want to talk about the themes real quick? There was a big change in the themes this week. Oh, wasn't paying attention enough. What happened? Is Cody in Sausage there now? Mitch, Cody is now officially part of the credits. What is yes. he doing the credits? He's kind of looking He's like up. shooting an arrow. He's getting a prize. I think he's right. got like a prize from shooting an arrow. Something. I, ugh, yeah, I remember that. Like, I, I don't remember from watching it a day ago, but I remember like in my head, like he like doesn't something, something about when he shoots it, like, like he wasn't trying or something. He hits it anyways and gets the prize or something. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But I don't know. Um, so yeah, Dan and Cody, they're in the kitchen and uh, he's already trying to get her to go out on another date with him. And uh, we find out something about like uh, 
does does he have to go see a building get demolished or ha- he has to go help demolish one or something like that? I assume this is part of like him working with either Frank or just somebody in the construction industry. And he wants co- he wants Dana to come see them demolish a building. And she says, the only way that I would go is if you were inside of the building. And he doesn't really get the joke, but uh, uh, unnecessary, unnecessary. Dana. Um, so Frank comes in and he reminds everyone that next week is the uh, Port Washington family games and the Lamberts have won for the last three years. It's a big deal. Still there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm coughing. So I'm trying to like hit my cough button every time I cough. You have a cough button? That's called, I mean, most, most people just call it mute. Oh. But I, I called it my cough button. I mean, button. there are cough buttons. I don't have one. I know. I mean, I, I, guess, I, I guess I kind of have one. All right. So, yeah, this is going to get into the squid games of uh, of the family <laughs> battle, I guess. So, um, I still haven't seen squid games. Am yeah, I the only yeah. person in America that hasn't seen squid games? It's okay. Um, I can tell you what happens. Uh, so, Cody comes in. He's like, oh, man, I can't play this year. Has he? I guess he's played in the past, but then I was confused at the end that he hadn't played in the past. Well, I was going to bring that. That's that's a big issue I have at the end of this episode. So, it, it to me, it's, he has played in the past because Frank talks about how good he is at certain events. Yeah, well, I guess Cody... We'll talk about... I, I have the same problem you have, and we'll talk about it. All right, so Cody says he can't play because he's got to work or something. Um, Carol's excited though. This is what she wanted. She wants the family to do something together and that's what she's going to get. But, uh, Frank's a little worried because he knows that Carol's kids are all just going to suck at these games. Yeah. They aren't quite as skilled as, as the, uh, Foster or the Lamberts. So then we jump to, uh, Frank. He's walking the kids in the backyard, just his side of the family right now. Um, they looks like they've got a bunch of supplies out, like to practice all these games. And uh, he continues to show that he is worried about Carol's kids uh, being on the team at all. Like, they're going to ruin it for him. Like he said earlier, he's won three years in a row, and he does not want it to end right now. Right. So he wants to use all, like, get get the Fosters out there to kind of test them. So that's why they've got all these different supplies out to try out the different events. Yeah, and uh, then Carol's kids come out. Um, He wants to get someone to practice bobbing for apples to see if anyone can do that. And uh, Dana and Karen kind of step back and force Mark to practice. And uh, he does. He gets up there and uh, almost drowns in the tank. He forgets to come back up for air. And uh, he might not be the best fit for bobbing for apples. He doesn't get any. He doesn't get any. I used to love bobbing for apples when I was a kid. That was real fun. Uh, Then Carol's kids all go inside. They're done with it. They don't want to do this. Carol follows. Frank follows Carol. And uh, Carol tells Frank that the kids don't really want to do it. They went off the team. This is what Frank wanted the whole time. Like, he didn't want them on there anyways. And now that they don't want to do it, he finally thinks he has a way out and they can win the competition now. Yeah, because his kids, too, are really pushing him to be like, look, Dad, we're not going to win if they if they're participating with us. We have to we've got to do something. But again, we have the problem where uh, almost like a communication problem between these two that happens every episode. We find out that uh, Carol did exactly what she thought Frank wanted her to do and tell the kids, you need to step up and you need to do it anyways. This reminds me of a lot of what happens in baby talk later later this same the same week. So Look we'll touch that. on it. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. So Frank is trying to uh, get her to not make her kids play, but... She's just like, I don't know. She's 
sold on it now. Like it's gonna happen. But then we go into yeah. horny Carol mode, and uh, she starts rubbing all over Frank in the kitchen and tells him that, well, after the kids go to sleep tonight, maybe the two of us can work out a little bit. And then this kind of sets him off. He's like all like hot and bothered in the kitchen. Uh, JT comes in from outside. Frank tells JT, um, you know, when you get married, you can't get everything exactly like you want it to be all the time. And he's like, then he starts, JT walks back outside. Well, uh, he, he wimped out again. Like he, the kids all knew that he wasn't going to be right. He was going to fold. Yeah. So jump right into the 16th annual family games. We're out here. It's like a big carnival set up. They've got all of like, uh, the game set up and the little stands for food and everything, everything you would yeah. think would be at like an event like this. And, uh, and just just to, just to kind of tie this back, I don't know if you remember during the Angela Watson interview, but she talked about how this was all shot like right outside the studio in Hollywood, like on the on the front yard of the studio. Oh, that this is what she was referring to. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, signups are starting. Uh, Frank and the kids are over at like the little table to sign up, and uh, Al runs over and says. The Larsons just showed up, and uh, JT's like, oh my goodness, they're bigger than ever this year. And then, uh, I mean, it's a family of like, I don't know, I mean, they're just, it's the three or four just, big kids, right? They're all, they're all big. They're all, like, they outweigh, they're like two to one to the Fosters and Lamberts. They thought the, uh, that the Larsons' da- uh, daughter was actually their son. That's how big she was. Yeah. And I will say this. Uh, Papa Larson, played by Michael McManus. He, I, I don't know who he was in the show. I can barely remember the show, but he was, he is the OG of OGist uh, TGIF. He was in the very first pilot episode of Free Spirit. So, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That, that show didn't have a lot of people. No. And I don't remember. I, I it must have been somebody they worked with or something. I, I, I can't remember. Did that, did that show go out of the house at all? I guess it did, right? I want to say it did. I feel like... Like at his work. Like, that's it probably, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and watch Free Spirit again. I do love that show. For seven more episodes you ever saw. Uh, So, yeah, everyone's worried. They've seen the the Larsons, and they don't know how they're going to have a chance this year, especially nope. with uh, the three new... Or I guess four new additions to their four, team. Four, yeah. So um, then they go to a montage, kind of like quick shots of like the first few games. Like they do bombing for apples, which I think uh, JT, Brendan, and Frank do. And they do, it seems like they did pretty well on that. Um, Then for some reason, they've got Mark doing test of strength, like with the big hammer hitting the bell. And uh, he, yeah, like out of all the people to pick. Yeah, why would you pick him? Like uh, Karen would have done better than he would have, but he uh, immediately falls over from even picking up the hammer. Um, there's a relay race where uh, Al and uh, Karen, or yeah, Al and Karen look like they had the last leg, and uh, Karen is supposed to grab the baton and doesn't even do that because she breaks a nail. And then we see Frank, who is upset because uh, Carol comes and tells him that they're in second place, and that's just not good enough for Frank. Here's the thing: here's they're only they're in second place. Is this where we find out they're in second place by one point? No, we find that out later. But they're in second place, and I just want to say this: they're doing really badly. Like they're doing really badly and they're still in second place. So I'm guessing I, I'm, there's only two families in this competition. There's got to be more than two. Yeah, I don't know who I don't know who's in third, but they they must they be must doing really, real must bad. Be awful. 
Yeah, so um, he tells Carol that this competition, like, really means a lot to him. Like, he's a construction worker, and he doesn't have a lot of things to look forward to every year and, like, something that he can be proud of. And, like, this is the thing every single year. And yeah, that's Pe- what he looks forward to. Yeah, Penny comes over and tells uh, – or and starts tying Frank and Carol together because they're going to be in the three-legged race, and they kind of immediately fall over, and then the Larsons come over and just start laughing at the two of them. Yeah, immediately fall over. So we skip to like the announcer of this competition saying that they're down to the final two families that have a shot to win this thing, the Larsons and the Lamberts. There's two events left. And uh, and this is where we find out that they're, they're only back by one point, which, again, I have no idea how that's possible. We didn't on... see the 400 other events that didn't didn't out of the what, what do we see four five, six events? And they lost they, they, they couldn't even complete like complete. All, the only one that they completed that we saw Bobbing was for apples. Bobbing for Apples. But Mark didn't hit the bell, didn't even hit the, like, hammer hit the the plunger thing. Uh, they didn't finish the relay. Like, they haven't won anything. Maybe they didn't show how well they did in the three-legged race. Like, after after uh, Frank and Carol got up, they won that. Maybe. And maybe the uh, test of strength was more than just Mark. Maybe uh, JT went over in two and did really well in that. I don't know. Maybe. All right, so yeah, two events left. Next one's the pie-eating contest, and uh, JT's over there, and uh, this is when we meet uh, Leif Larson, one of the uh, Larson sons who is going to be competing in the pie-eating contest, and uh, the two of them are talking. Leif's like, just like eating food already to practice for the event. Yeah, he's eating a milkshake. And then Karen comes over, and we find out here that uh, Leaf is head over heels in love with Karen. He cannot do anything when she's around. Yeah, he, like, freezes. It almost reminds me of the Laura plan for the courthouse where, you know, Carl was going to have Laura in there to distract. But that didn't work for Urkel. This works. So Karen's telling JT, like, yeah, I mean, he's like this all the time at school, like in the cafeteria. He can't even eat when I'm around. He's like... This is where he gets the idea. JT's like, all right, Karen, you're going to enter this pie-eating contest. So we start the contest. Um, Two minutes. Yeah. Karen uh, blows a kiss to Leaf. Leaf shuts down, can't do anything. They kind of just stare at each other for an entire two minutes. The announcer gets down to the final 10 seconds of the competition. No one has anything, had has had a bite to eat yet. And uh, they're like, Karen, you got to eat something. And she's like, picks up a little berry out of the pie eats it, and it's enough for them to win the game. The score is now tied with one event left. Yeah, Leaf, like, passes out face down in a pie, and my, I'm get, guessing he ate more while passed out in the pie than Karen ate with that berry. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, so, yeah, the final event, it's the tug of war. The winner is this year's champion, and uh, the announcer, I'm calling him an announcer, blows the whistle yeah, um, to start the competition, and... Uh, thought it was interesting here um it doesn't matter how many people are on your team you can have 400 people in your family and that's fine lots of interesting things here yeah the number of people on either side doesn't matter clearly clearly if this was real the lambert fosters would have zero chance the the other team is just out outweighs well them. i don't know if you've got seven to five two extra people you saw you saw squid game right no <laughs> uh we talked about that i haven't seen it so yeah but when those when like those two extra people are mark and uh Karen and what's Brendan and Karen Brendan, and Dana and Al Carol. come on man like they have they all all of their kids were at least like teenagers you know it it was basically JT 
Carol and Frank versus the rest of them. I think Al could pull some pull some rope. But there's also the height issue that like like you have to be you can't have like little people contributing. You know what I mean? It doesn't work. Go watch Squid Game. Okay. All right. So it's back and forth though. I mean, like both teams are pulling the rope. It's very close. And as this is going on, you see a motorcycle pull up in the background. It's Cody. He's there to save the day. He jumps in on the rope. But uh, Daddy Larson's got a problem with this, and he yells, "He's not family," and and Cody's like, "Dude, I'm her fiance." And then she look, Dana looks up at him, and he's she's like, "Hi, honey," and that's enough. It's not oh nine people versus five, not even eight. It's nine on five, and uh, they have enough now with Cody to win the entire thing. They pull the Larsons past the center, and they are victorious. And of course, there's two problems with this, right? Okay. First being that Cody is is family. Like, there's no reason he needs to lie and say that he is engaged to Dana. Like, yeah. he's, he's just family. Um, and secondly, like we kind of, I think, hinted at the top, he's done this in the past. Like, he's competed in the past, presumably against the other team. So, don't they, don't they already, doesn't he already have, like, pre-clearance? So, these are my only two things I've got, maybe, to counter that. So... Maybe it has to be immediate family. And maybe he hasn't competed in the past. Maybe he's just, uh, he's been talking about it for the last year. Like he's going to help out. And like he's been. But they've talked about how he's done well in specific competitions in the past. Like in the family, like that, that competition. Is that, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 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 At the beginning, they talk about how he did really well in the, um the, like the, the greased pig competition. We didn't see that either. Did we? No. What, you mean in this year? Yeah. They might have canceled it. Like, they might have said, you know, chasing... Cody's not here, not... so there's no point of doing it. Let's not do it this right. year. Or PETA showed up or something like that. I'm thinking the second one, but yeah, exactly. All right, so yeah, they win. They win the tug of war. They've won the whole they competition. Do. The family's celebrating, and then I think Frank's like, all right, we got to go take our, uh, our photo for the paper, and like, the photographer's out there. Everyone's like sitting down in front of the steps of Town Hall, I guess, and... uh they go to take the picture, and the picture, of course, is both sets of uh, kids just fighting with each other, yelling about the competition and everything, and it's a disaster, and that's the end of the episode. That's it. Yeah. Good one. I liked it. Step by step. Even though there were some issues. but uh... There are definitely some continuity issues in this <laughs> one, but I think, I think we're starting to, to tiptoe into the realm of really ridiculous TGIF as opposed to just like semi-ridiculous Oh, TGIF. like this next episode of Perfect Strangers? Is that what you're talking about? And and what I think next week's episode of Family Matters is as well. Oh, do we get a Halloween one next week? Maybe. I I don't remember if it's Halloween, but the uh, picture for the preview is pretty. Uh, okay. You it, it's it's a big one. It's a big it's a okay. big episode. I haven't looked yet. Oh, maybe I have. Maybe I know what you're talking about. All right. Anyways, yeah. uh, this is Perfect Strangers, season seven, episode six. The name of the episode is Fright Night, which makes me think Halloween episode. Which makes me also Halloween think episode. This would have aired when like. The next week will, will be after Halloween. I think it's like November 1st. So No, I think this would have been... So this would have aired... Yeah, you're right. You're right. It would have been November 1st. So one day past Halloween. So I think this uh, is it. This is our only time. chance at a Halloween episode this, this season. No way. They, they definitely could have one next week. Because it's Halloween weekend. I definitely think... We you're might okay with Halloween, Halloween episodes airing on November 1st? Absolutely. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So Fright Night. It starts off after the theme. We've got... Uh, Larry and Jennifer are on the couch. They're talking about like communication and stuff. And uh, Balky comes over and says that he was at 
Bucky runs in. He's yeah. like in a tizzy. He's excited for a bunch of things, but he was at Mr. Finley's house who has already made like a uh, popsicle stick uh, sculpture Pittsburgh. of the city of Pittsburgh. And he's excited and he wants everyone to go over to Mr. Finley's house because he has found out from Mr. Finley that there is a ghost that lives in their house. Not just in their house, but in Balky's room. In Balky's room. Um, I guess he got this book too from Mr. Finley. Is that right? I don't know. You know, I guess. I didn't really see where he got the book from, but he does have Balky's a Balky's got a, a book about ghosts, and it even talks about their specific ghost that they have living in Balky's room. Yeah, well, he's, and there's a picture of Balky's room as well in yep. the book. Even though you have to kind of like tilt your head and squint your eye to see it, I think. It's still Well, to see the, the ghost. I mean, the picture is clearly of Balky's room, but the ghost is a little bit tough to see. So... Larry, of course, says there's no such thing as ghosts. Jennifer is says the idea of ghosts are silly, but uh, Balky and Marianne both believe that ghosts are real, and uh, Balky even believes, because of Meposian uh, mythology, that uh, it is an honor to have a ghost live with you, and he is very excited. Yeah, what he says is that in Mepos, it's an honor to have a haunted hut. A haunted hut? Haunted hut, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, where do we go from here? You've had to skip the run a little bit, but that's fine. So the, um, well, yeah, another thing we learned here is the ghost has a name. It's Chester Bainbridge. Uh, and then we go to the kitchen and the kitchen is kind of where they have more of these conversations about it being real and not being real. This is where they actually bring out the book and talk about the book. Who's in, uh, you know, Chester, who's in the book. And we get a little bit more backstory that Chester was a gambler back in 1929, I think it's the year. And he bet that the Cubs would win the World Series. They lost. Chester lost. And he wasn't able to pay. So they found Chester stuffed into a trunk, thrown into the bedroom that is now now Balky's. So I'm going to jump back a little bit because okay. I put down a note here that might be the most important thing we've ever found in an episode of Perfect Strangers. Uh, I'm, I'm interested. Talk to me. So Marianne's talking about this ghost to Jennifer. And she uh-huh. says, how oh, do you, I, I know where you're going with this. I how know do where you you're going ex- with this. If ghosts aren't real, how do you explain the sound of water running at night in this house? And real she, quick before you get to the punchline of this, this is an on, there's a little bit of an ongoing joke throughout this episode where Marianne is trying to understand how common things are happening. Like, why does the light on the fridge come on? Obviously, that's a ghost. Blah, blah, like other things that are just like have easy explanations, but this is by far the best one. You're right. So, how does the water run? Why is the why, water running? Why is there a sound of water running every night? And uh, Jennifer says, easy. Larry gets really thirsty after we, well, just believe me. So this is the first sign that we know of, I believe, that the two of them have ever had sex, ever. Here's what I will say. They kiss more in this specific episode than I think the entire six and series. a half yeah. seasons combined. Um, do you think definitely that like the writers like made a decision and was like, Hey, we need to make these guys like a little more like, I think act they're like married they're now. married. <laughs> you think that's all well, it was? I, you know, I don't, it's so weird to like think back like, right. This was 30 years ago, 1991 to me, you know, things were, I guess a little bit more conservative in that sense, but maybe, I don't know. It just seems like that maybe they just were really cognizant of, them not being married couples and therefore like 
we can't have a lot of physical displays, right? So now that they are married, it is totally fine to write in that they kiss, they hug, they hold each other, that kind of thing. They have sex. Well, but- let's think about other TGIF shows. Let's think of like Uncle Jesse and Rebecca. Like what were they doing before they got married? Like were they kissing on the show? I'm pretty sure they were. Yeah, I mean they were affectionate. I, I would I would agree with you there. Were they, they were, were they staying each at each other's house or like living with each other Probably. or anything? Yeah. I, I don't I mean, know. she didn't move in until they got married. Yeah, and then like, what about like, uh, what's our show on the beach in California that Dana's in? Going places. I mean, those. They, but that was like a different. They were like young kids that were in California having a good time. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's a little bit different. But you're valid point though. It's a valid point. I don't know. I I really just think that this the writers in this particular show really wanted to preserve that like wait till they're married kind of thing wait till they're married idea and now that they're married it's game on i mean it's not like they're not hiding anything at all anymore they're not frank and carol game on but they're they're, it's game (laughs) on all right so um yeah we did jump all over the place uh let me see if there's anything important uh balky and larry come in balky's still trying to prove there's a ghost or the ghosts are real that he has a ghost (laughs) and uh he book they talk about the backstory yeah, the cubs stuff. world series blah blah the, the other thing we learned is that that and hopefully this will get us a little bit back on track is that um according to the book the ghost of chester appears once a year which just happens to be the that night that balky learned about him so that night uh at sundown is when we will is when chester should appear yeah this is the anniversary Lucky. of chester's death is what that is right all right. And lucky for them, sundown is like right then. It's dinner time. So yeah, Larry's they, like, Let's they go really upstairs. Could, they couldn't have picked a better day and time to come to this revelation. And, and it's right around Halloween, too. It is. So, um, yeah, they all decide they're going to go upstairs. And this now is the first time that we've, I know for sure I've seen Balky's room in this house. Have, definitely have, the, the new, yeah. We new, saw it in the time. other place. We definitely saw yeah, it in the yeah, apartment. We've seen it a yeah. bunch. Yep. So um, this house, this room is something special, though. Like, uh, well, his his room in the apartment was something special too. Yeah. Um, there's a giant poster of Wayne Newton, which uh, gets mm-hmm. brought up, and then like, I mean, he's I can't even explain it. It's very colorful. It's very it, it, it almost looks like it looks like the clothing. Duck- if if you would take his clothing off and put it on the walls, that's kind of what it is. I thought it was like a Greek or like Russian Orthodox dollhouse. That that was what came to mind for me. Like a lot of those kind of colors that you see in like Greek, like Eastern Orthodox traditions, yeah. and a lot a lot of that look to it. But I mean, that was what is that, that's what his his apartment bedroom looked like too. So I just didn't understand his concept of how to hang a picture because his picture of Wayne Newton, when we come in, it's hanging over what is obviously a closed window, and then his other idea of a place to 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 hang it was right in front of two doors that lead to a closet. So, yeah, I don't know. He's just making sure that Wayne's got the right light on him. He wants every, he wants it to be a focal point of this room, is what he says. Yes. So um, Larry reminds everyone there's no ghosts. And as he says this, uh, he, I, I wasn't like paying 100% attention. Did he just fall over? Did he trip over? I know he fell on the floor at this point. Well, it's the, it's, he gets put, he gets pushed okay. over. So I mean, that's, just, that's literally like, what, what it looks like. He what just it looks like, like is he's just, falls over pretty much like nothing like there's not anything it, he trips right. over or anything like that it looks like if you were to get pushed with nobody behind you pushing you and that's what balky says he says that chester pushed him and that's why he fell on the ground and larry says <laughs> chester if you're here show me something that proves that you're r- real and 
as he says this, all four, Marianne, Jennifer, Balky, and Larry, all begin to levitate off the ground, probably about a foot or two. And At uh, least. Larry just says, oh, my Lord. And then we go to commercial break with them floating in the air. That's right. And come back, and they are still floating. Yep, still floating. Um, what? I wrote down, you wanted proof? but uh, Oh, is this, this isn't the ghost talking, is it? No, no Jen- Jen- Jennifer no. says this. Jennifer says, you wanted proof, and Larry, um, of course, is trying to, like, come up with an explanation, like, other than it being a ghost of, like, why they're floating in the air. He's like, oh, well, the thermonuclear, the boiler like, boiler. Yeah. And uh, eventually they all come down. Like, nothing is said or anything to make them come down, but they all come back down to the ground. And Larry admits that, um, for once, he cannot come up with an explanation for this, but all he knows is that it's not a ghost. And uh, Jennifer says she's going to go to a hotel for the night, and she's taking Marianne with her. So they're out. They're done. Yeah, the two of them leave. Um, Larry and Balky are left behind. Larry's mad at Balky, and um, because now he has to sleep alone the night is what he says. And Larry starts to leave the room, but as he does this, the door shuts, the window shuts, and they are locked in this room. There's like a tiger statue that starts floating, and uh, then there's like a ghost, like a noise you would expect a ghost to make, like a little howl, or a loud howl, I guess. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a moan, and, and they, they he opens the window. It's like basically all this stuff happens with them trapped in the room. Yep. Um, and then Chester the ghost actually starts talking to them. Like we hear Chester talk, and uh, right. Then Chester appears, and we see this like figure. Who is this actor important? Did you get anything off this guy? No, he I mean looked, I'm sure he's important, but not to TGIF. He looks familiar, but I guess not. Um, no. So he he like appears and disappears a couple times here, and now Larry believes he knows that ghosts are real and that oh, Chester yeah, ghost is right right in front of him. Yeah, um, Chester appears again, and now Chester's mad. Um, just with the whole situation disappears again. Uh, Larry and Balky start arguing and Larry tries to apologize to Chester, but uh, Chester throws a candlestick at Larry. I'm, I know there's a lot going on here that I'm not. There really to. isn't though. It really yeah. is just kind of like him just bouncing around, like disappearing, reappearing. And there's like little CGI spirits that are the tail, I guess, or trail of, of Chester. And it's kind of just, Larry trying to apologize to him. There really isn't much more to it. And Chester kind of is just like, you all are annoying. I'm mad. I'm, I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah. And Balky tells Larry that the only way that they can drive away a ghost is to get the ghost really angry with all this built up energy. And then that will cause a ghostly tantrum. And then the ghost will be gone. So, yep. Yeah. That's the plan. So Larry starts like saying like mean things, like criticizing the ghost and just keeps saying all these different things. And then Chester actually starts to take control of first Balky's body, which he like takes over Balky's arm and hits Larry. Maxim. And then Larry um, starts criticizing Chester even more. And then Chester takes over Larry's body and starts choking Balky. And then they go back and forth, like hitting each other. Well, Chester's hitting them, I guess. And then uh, they end up both poking their own eyes out because Chester makes them do it. And then eventually the whole like fight ends with them being thrown against the wall by Chester. Yeah. Cause they try to apologize again. They're like, we're just joking. We're just joking. And he's like, I hate jokes. And that's when he like throws them against the wall and 
I guess they pass out in a way. They get knocked out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it probably goes to commercial after they hit this wall. And when we come back, it's the next morning. The girls are home from their hotel stay. And they find the guys, like, out on the ground. Yeah, like, passed out, asleep. Um, Balky says what happens, because I guess Larry was out. Balky says that uh, Chester had bounced them off the walls until he got bored, and then he just left. And uh, right. Larry says that um, the ghost is gone for good. And Balky tells Marianne uh, the bad oh. news that he found out from Chester that Elvis is dead. And then that's the end of the episode. That's it. That's it. Uh, a weird one for sure. I thought it was going to be in like a dream or something like that. But no, we have ghosts no, and uh, they have ghosts perfect strangers the, now. And therefore in Family Matters and Full House. It all connects. Yeah. So ghosts. Oh, and, and Step by Step. Are real. Um, final episode of the week. It's Baby Talk. Season two, episode five. The name of the episode is Maggie's Left Foot. Um, we do get another one of those dumb baby intros with uh, Mickey and some yeah. babies uh, just riding on some toys <sighs> for about a Right, and they make this joke about being stuck in, in kid lock instead of gridlock. And I, all I could think of is like, what do you think Tony Danz is thinking as he's sitting in this recording studio, like reading this joke? I think he's himself? like reading it and signing his check at the same time. Right. That's all I could think of is he's just like, like all right, are you have I as my is the money in my bank account yet? <laughs> all right. So, yeah, baby's riding on toys theme song. We come back. Um, Maggie is now uh, changing a light bulb on a ladder in Mickey's room. Uh, the mm-hmm. doors kind of shut behind her. We see James come into the apartment looking for Maggie and uh, he doesn't really say anything. He opens the door to the bedroom, which then knocks uh maggie's stunt double off of the ladder falling onto the <laughs> ground and uh he thinks that he needs to take her to the hospital immediately yeah she's hurt her foot she can't stand on it can't put weight on it so he's like i gotta take you to the hospital and she's like no i don't want to go and he like picks her up those are over his shoulder and takes her to the doctor yep and uh also he leaves mickey behind when he does this too he's like i'll <laughs> well, come, ba- I'll he's come back for you in a minute or something. anita but then he yeah and then he, he comes back and gets him I guess. Um, so then we go to the Lisa. hospital. Um, we're waiting for the doctor. Mickey's there too. I do want to so. say real quick, the woman that checks that checks James and Maggie into the hospital, the like nurse that is behind the counter, not TGIF important, but just relevant to this week. She was also in other people's money. So I don't know. Oh, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So the doctor i think uh they go into maggie's room um mm-hmm. james and maggie are being a little flirty i put a note of that in and then the doctor suggests that uh x-rays are probably a good idea they get some x-rays done um they jump over to mickey and james who are in the waiting room and i'm pretty sure this is the second time this has happened on the show where Ma- uh, mickey starts talking to an unborn baby inside of a pregnant lady's stomach that's yeah, that's true. And a couple things too that I want to mention that you didn't talk about was we do find out that Maggie has fractured her heel, and we also got a, a joke from the doctor. Where I guess not a joke, the doctor thought James and Maggie were married, and she had to correct him to let let him know that he, they were not. But yeah, then then Mickey starts talking to this baby in a in a lady's stomach. Um, the doctor brings Maggie in, um, and kind of is like the doctor's flirting with Maggie now and James is getting jealous of the whole situation. Like she's already calling him Dr. Bob and, uh, James doesn't like it. No. And he, he makes a comment to her about how he thinks the doctor's just too old for her and that they shouldn't have anything to do with each other. 
Yeah, and that's kind of like the thing that goes on throughout this episode. Like James thinks this doctor's yeah. too old for. Her. Exactly. So back at the apartment, uh, like more flirting from James, and James oh. wants to uh, take care of Maggie. That's why he's there, and she's acting like she doesn't need it. Uh, Anita and Danielle come over. I don't remember if something broke, and that's why they came over. Or if she was over to watch them, or what happened, but uh, she was just bringing. I think she was just bringing cookies over as a you know. Nice oh yeah, just checking on her, right? Because she, she got hurt. hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, James keeps. Bringing I bet you Anita makes some good cookies too. What I do you think? Some real good cookies, Snickers like chocolate, just chocolate chip, chocolate but like chip. real good chocolate chip. Yeah, chunky chocolate chips. Yeah, chunky, real good, soft, like real chewy. Mm. No, I want a chocolate chip cookie. Me too. Um. So yeah, they come over. Um. James keeps bringing up Doctor Bob. Uh. Maggie's got um nothing but good things to say about Doctor Bob to Anita. They're talking about him. James is still jealous, of course, and uh, continues to call him old, like. That's all he's saying to Anita, like how old this guy is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. Is they're just having this whole conversation about dating older men. So then we go a little later with uh, Maggie's mom coming over. Um, Doctor Bob is actually with her. They ran into each other and met each other downstairs for the first time. I guess coincidentally, they got into the conversation of why he's there. I thought it was weird. No. No, you mean that like two strangers would meet and they'd ask why. Well, I don't know. Maggie's mom was probably like, hey, I've never seen you here before. What's your name? Yeah, maybe there's not that many apartments in the building. I guess that that could make sense. Plus, Um, and I know this this might be getting ahead of ourselves, but I was kind of thinking that they they were going to start having them be a little bit more flirty with with each other at this point. Kind of like Maggie's mom might have a thing for Dr. Bob. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely a lot closer to Dr. Bob's age than Maggie is, right? Yeah, of course. So, um... The two of them are up, Maggie's mom and Dr. Bob, and uh, the mom ends up leaving saying, oh, I got everything I needed kind of thing. And then Maggie, um, I wrote that she's like not purposefully, but I guess she just has it stuck in her head that James keeps saying all these things about him being old, and she kind of like drops something about him being old. It doesn't really, yeah. he doesn't like, Dr. Bob doesn't like respond to it or anything like that, but it's definitely on, well, her, it's on her mind. I mean, he kind of does. He says, I mean, she says that, you know, she kind of, she was interested in maybe at, at going out with him, but was worried about the age. And he says, yeah, I was, I was thinking about asking you out too, but I was also worried about, about the age situation. Um, but Bob invites Maggie to a party and, and she, she, she accepts. Yep. Well, mom runs in, obviously has been listening outside the door, says I'll babysit. And then Maggie accepts the, the date to the party. Yep. So they're going to a party on Wednesday. And then uh, we skip ahead to what I thought was going to be Wednesday. But no, this is even past Wednesday. They've gone out multiple times already, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, Maggie's just now getting home. It's 630. And uh, she's late. She had to be late at work or something like that. And uh, James stops her in the hallway to confirm with us that this is later. And uh, there's he's still joking about the old thing, though. Like, he's not giving it up. Yeah, it says that he never goes out on dates with older women. Um, so then they go and get Mickey from Anita's, and mm-hmm. Maggie tells James that, uh, you know, I don't think me and Bob have anything in common. I, and now I do agree. I think it's because he's just too old for me. Yeah, and she she talks about how the fact that, you know, they're going to go see Rosemary Clooney at the Rainbow Room and how that's just kind of outside of her you know, scope of, of musical taste. And that really, she used that to kind of springboard in the fact that they just, they don't 
have anything in common because of the big age difference. Yep. And she says as soon as the uh, concert's over or whatever, she's going to uh, break it with Dr. Bob and in this relationship. And James is like, you got to do it before then. You can't wait till after and do it. You got to do it when you see him, I guess. Yeah. He's just like, you can't make this guy pay for your, you to go see like a, a concert and then break up with him on the way home. So uh, the door buzzes. It's Bob. He's coming up from downstairs. And James uh, tells Maggie to uh, take it easy on him. And uh, he leaves. And as he's leaving, Dr. Bob's coming in. And he kind of, like, gives him a hug and, like, says that he feels <laughs> bad for him already, even though it hasn't even happened yeah. yet. It's okay, man. You'll be all right. So uh, Maggie tells Bob she needs five minutes to finish getting dressed. And... Uh, while she's in the other room getting dressed, Bob is like talking to her through the wall saying that uh, he thinks that he needs to end it because he does think that she is too young for him. And uh, the, the, the problem has been solved. Like now she doesn't even have to do it. She's trying to act like she's upset, but he's doing exactly what she wanted to do anyways. This reminded me, this was what I was kind of talking about earlier. This is like the reverse situation of what happens in Step by Step where Frank goes in to tell Carol that he doesn't want them to be on the team and she comes back and says that they don't want to be on the team before he has a chance to say anything. It goes the opposite direction where they both end up doing the things that they don't want to do, but that same kind of miscommunication. I think it's also funny here. The doctor was talking about how, um, what, what made him think about it was the pregnant woman that was at, at the hospital and how she was, he was old enough to be her dad, which is the same age as Maggie is with, you know, a newborn child, a young child. So, um, that was, Part of what made him realize that maybe it wasn't the best idea. And there were actually some kind of funny comments from Mickey here because Mickey's just wondering about this unborn uh, baby. Yeah. If like if the if the baby's a girl first, and then if if the baby said anything about Mickey while he was in the doctor's office. <laughs> oh, Mickey. So uh, as this is going on, I mean, Bob is now broken up with uh, Maggie. Maggie's mom right. comes over and. Uh, Maggie uh, quickly switches it around to make uh, Maggie's mom go out with Dr. Bob, what we thought was going to happen right. at the beginning of the episode. It seemed like a natural natural thing to happen, yes. It's kind of sprung upon uh, Maggie's mom very quickly, but she looks excited about it and looks like she's going to go have some fun with Dr. Bob. Going to go see Rosemary Clooney at the Rainbow Room. Um, so then we go a little later. Uh, James comes over. He's surprised to see Maggie there, and she tells James that uh, she broke up with him. And uh, I don't think she ever admits to him breaking up with her, does she? Like, uh, no, no, no. She definitely plays it the entire time that she broke up with him. And then uh, James, Maggie, and Mickey sit down at the kitchen table and play some poker. And James says that uh, he's sorry that it didn't work out. And she says, you aren't serious, are you? And he's like, no, I'm just practicing. Deal him out. And like like he's bluffing or whatever. And uh, Mickey says, uh, he's got a pair, mommy, because he's looking at James's cards. cards. And uh, that's it. And then we get another clip of babies riding on toys. And that's baby talk. Baby talk. Uh, yeah, it's a show that came on. In the it 90s. is. It is for a little bit, yeah. Uh, not. That's I think we did. Time. Did we have trouble last week with the shows not being great? Or I think we, we did. Yeah, and I feel we, like it's not much better this week. I enjoyed. I I, I like. I, I here's what I would tell you. I would put Perfect Strangers at one. I, I like the Perfect oh. Strangers episode, even though it, it was. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of kind of that like crossing the line of reality to like not reality. Yeah. But I didn't mind the episode. I thought it was fine. I, I didn't. It wasn't my favorite, but I thought it was better than the rest of these three episodes. See, I, I complete opposite. I hated Perfect Strangers. I was trying to figure yeah, out if I, I like, if I hated it more or less than Baby Talk this week. 
I can understand. I can understand. Um, I think Step by Step was probably my favorite, even though like okay. there were definitely some issues, but um, I don't know. It just wasn't a great week. I'm going to go Step by Step 1, Family Matters 2, Perfect Strangers 3, Baby Dog 4. Okay, I'm going to go... You got Perfect Strangers 1, right? Yeah, Step by Step, I'm going to do 2. Family Matters, I, then Baby Talk. Family Matters, Baby Talk. Yeah, I think we're, we're at that time of the year where it's like, you know, they start strong, they dip, and then they come back up for like sweeps or whatever it's called nowadays and and season finales. I think we're just in a weak part of the year. Hopefully, I, I would like to see some more Halloween episodes next week. I don't know if we're going to get them or not. but Yeah, we'll I do see. remember the uh, little preview photo for Family Matters next week. So I, I am excited for that. Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big episode. Everyone's good. Everyone remembers that episode. So we'll, uh, I don't want to say anything right now, but yeah. we'll talk about it next week. Um, thanks again to Duke for the theme song this week. Yeah, Duke. Thanks. Follow us on all social media at TGIF cast full week of new shows. So just watch the next one for all of them. And, uh, yeah, it should be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we really have anything else. We're still trying to find a place to, for you all to watch perfect strangers for free, but, um, it's coming. We'll see. It'll we'll be see on HBO soon, but I, I don't know. How, I will. How I think soon. you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. So, all right, man. Well, anything else, Steve? Nope. That's it. All right. Have a good week. You got it, dude. It's Friday night. And the moon is bright. Gonna have some fun. So you eyes down. TGIF. TBA podcast.